Thank you so much, Nick and Brett and Gary Lynn Floyd. It's always such a pleasure to have you, Gary, with us. Gary is one of the treasures of our New Thought community, uh, singing all over in Centers for Spiritual Living, carrying the message of the um, of science of mind through music, which is such a powerful thing to do. And long before I met Gary, and he was just at our national summer conference last week, long before I met him, I met his partner when we were both in our 20s. And I had huge hair. And one day, uh, Gary showed me this picture of me and his partner in our very first class together in Science of Mind in Burbank, California in 1812. You know, I don't know when it was. <laughs> so wonderful. And in that class, I learned that there is a creative power in the universe that is larger than what I am and larger than what you are, that I live in, that we live in, that I breathe in, and I think in, and that we are part of. And it flows through the entire universe. That's what I learned in that first class. Weaving itself throughout existence, and it courses through you, just like it courses through me, and it's as if this power is responding to the focus of our awareness flowing through our thought and our passion to become the life that we are living. That's what I learned in my very first class. Whew. <laughs> so I learned that my thought was creative, is creative, specifically when it is focused and backed with um, intentionality and passion and feeling and when it is repetitive and persistent because that is when the creative power of the universe surges through me, opening in my life opportunities and insights that match what is inside of me. So the question for me became early on, what's inside? What am I focusing my attention on? I learned that in class, to get curious about that, to be interested in what my attention lands on. So I learned to ask myself, what do I think about a lot? What's got my attention a lot? What do I spend my time on and my money on? Because I will tell you, what do I dwell upon? What do I dwell upon so much that it is completely normal for me? Because that something has a lot to do with how life unfolds for me. It's not everything, but it's very important. Whew. So when I discovered the Center for Spiritual Living, I had not heard about this idea that what is in my mind matters. Uh, that was new. So I started to get curious. I started to investigate my mind to find out what do I spend a lot of time passionately thinking about. And to my surprise, I discovered some of the things I was passionate about included worry. Criticism. People-pleasing. Fear. Gossip. It was the way my family did things. It was normal. So I, I, I didn't know any different. Look, I was 
passionate about a lot of good things also, but this fierce loyalty to worry and criticism, it surprised me when I first realized how strong it was. It was normal for me to be focused passionately on worry, so I had to learn to ask myself, is it possible to shift my passionate attention to something else? And I found not only is it possible, but it's kind of fun to experiment doing it, to playing around with attention. So I used questions that I learned in class, questions like this. What is left when I no longer compare myself to other people? Um, what becomes available to me when I don't spend my time worrying about what other people think about me? Um, what is interesting when I'm no longer interested in gossip? Um, what is there to focus on when there's nothing more to fix? Oh, such fun. So I, in this way, I began to shift my attention to a new focus. And because it was a new focus, then the creative power of the universe flowed through me in a new direction, as it does and will through you, opening my mind to new possibilities and insights that now match this new focus. And in that, I started to discover a whole new way to be me. So much pressure was taken off. So much freedom. As we read earlier, our organization's purpose is to awaken humanity to this very awareness that there is a creative power greater than you are, that you can use, and that we are part of it in the way that we are part of this creative process that's unfolding new every single day, which sounds so ideal and wonderful. And in reality, as we grow and live together in this world, difficult things happen. Things happen that sometimes plunge us into sadness and worry not because of any negative thought that some person had, but likely just because that is the way of things. Life is complicated. I'm thinking, for example, of our beloved practitioner, Linda Scheiblich, who passed away recently. Now, many of you may remember her from sitting in the front row right here and dancing every single service because she'd almost never missed a service with her husband, Patrick. You know what else she never missed? She never missed giving me a greeting card for my birthday, for Easter, for Hanukkah, for Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Every year of the 28 years that I knew her. <clears throat> and others in our community will remember her for her kindness to our children in the youth and family program. When it was time for Purim, she would come with the costumes and the cakes and the food and entertain them spiritually. And others will remember her for her elegant teaching style and the depth of her conviction 
and her ability to inspire people, and most importantly to me, for her being a voice for inclusion when it came to Jewish cultural and spiritual celebrations. People would describe her classes as the most pivotal learning experience in their spiritual lives. And I believe that that was because she was utterly convinced that there is a creative power in the universe that flowed through her and worked through her, and she was passionate about that, and she wanted everybody to have access to that information. There's a post for her on our Facebook group. You should see the comments. Read the comments because they tell the story about the impact that her passion and her courage and her commitment had on the people around her. Now, I mention Linda because her passing reminds me that at the Center for Spiritual Learning, I also learned not to shy away from difficult feelings and emotions, nor to pretend to be happy when sadness comes. Instead, I learned about the deep soul happiness that comes when we honor and acknowledge the lives of those people who touch us deeply, when we help each other when we are struggling, when we love each other when we are grieving, when we share with each other when help is needed. So let's review so far today's message. There is a creative power in the universe greater than I am and greater than you are, and it flows through my mind as it flows through your mind in the direction of your attention, specifically when that attention is focused, backed by emotion, imagination, feeling, and is repetitive. Okay, that's where we are. Now, last week, Reverend Russ talked about unhealthy obsessive attention. If you were here, you remember that. Unhealthy obsessive attachment. Now this week, we're looking at the other side. I'm talking about healthy fascination. Think of it as awe and wonder. I'm thinking about the kind of passionate focus that won't let you sleep at night because you love being immersed in it. Do you have anything like that in your life? I'm thinking about when I was a kid, I loved to read. I loved it. Oh my goodness, I, I would read while I was eating. I would read under the blankets at night with a flashlight when I was supposed to be sleeping. I read in class just to, well, you know, when I was bored with the craziness that goes with being in junior high. I read on the bus, I read on the train, I read in the playground, I read at the dinner table if I could go, get away with it. Because it brought me such joy. And that joy affected other people. I've got a friend. He is passionate about palm trees. He reads about them. He grows them. He names them. He exchanges them. He knows all of the various botanical names and subspecies, and he's 
belongs to palm societies and he volunteers in public gardens in the palm sections and he germinates the seeds of rare palms and then he gives it to other passionate palm people. <laughs> and just the joy that it unlocks in him because the creative power of the universe is flowing through the direction of his attention and revealing that. It's contagious. It turns out you and I can get passionate in a joyful way about almost anything. Things, activities, ideas. And if you're sitting thinking, well, I, I can't think of anything that I am passionate about. I have an exercise for you if you're willing to try on to see if you can bring that to life. Here it goes. Choose something like a quality uh, or one of our values at the center, like compassion or integrity or love, or an idea like health or connection. That's the first thing. Then, let yourself become fascinated with it. Wonder about it. Think about it. Explore it. Write in a journal about it. Talk to other people about it. Ask questions about it. Imagine you are it. Build a relationship with it. Look up articles on search engines about it. Become it. Make up practices, practices to incorporate into your daily routines about it. And then in a week, you will have proven to yourself just exactly how the creative power of the universe works through the focus of your attention. You'll see. And you won't have to take anybody's word for it. You won't have to take it on blind faith on what somebody else said because you will have proven it to yourself. That's the way of things. This practice, I think of it as an antidote to boredom. An antidote to being stuck in a rut. It's basically this. Become purposefully interested in something, anything beneficial. Fall in love with something in life and see what happens. My guess is not only will you become inspired, but you will become inspiring to those around you because of the energy that comes alive in you. There is always something to fall in love with in life, always. But there are times when I've got into a rut and I've had to break out of the rut to get out of it. You know, and I'm thinking now of Charles M. Schultz's famous phrase. I wonder if you know what I'm going to say. Life is like a 10-speed bicycle. Most of us have gears we never use. <laughs> what a great idea. A grand idea that there are experiences and ideas and energy in me that I have not yet accessed. And I think that's persistently true. And just as a cyclist can shift gears to, to match the terrain going uphill or downhill, perhaps I too can shift my focus and energy to something new and see where does that lead me. Because, you know, Schultz's metaphor highlights that perhaps many of us remain stuck because we're just using a few gears. I love it when the room goes very quiet. <laughs> So I'm imagining, and I hope you are too, that there are these additional gears available. And I'm thinking, what might they be labeled? 
those gears, these extra gears, and I think they are probably compassion, creativity, curiosity, connection, courage, confidence, clarity, calm. See, I didn't know about those gears when I was growing up because I was struggling up the hill of life with my gears stuck in, remember? Criticism, comparison, and complaining. And there's nothing wrong with those gears. It just turns out that there are others that make going uphill easier, that make moving through life more joyful. And then when I learned to access these gears oh, with great results, I thought I'd be set for life. You know, I thought I got that now. But I'd forget them and slip back into the lower gears of my former life. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> life has a funny way like that of slipping back into routines from the past. Maybe we all experience that from time to time, you know, finding yourself slipping back into old patterns. I will be the first to admit I slip. Why, just the other day, <laughs> I was sitting in a meeting with Reverend Russ Legear, our assistant minister, and I was trying very, trying very hard to complain bitterly to him about an old wound. And he very skillfully would not engage. <laughs> he kept on redirecting the conversation to the work we had to do. I was going so irritated. <laughs> and that's when I remembered how easy it is to become fascinated in anything. Because I was becoming fascinated in low-level thinking. Have you done that? Become fascinated in activities that are not beneficial. And that's when I realized to re redirect my attention is an act of self-love. Something else I learned at the center is that there is a remedy for when we are obsessed with unhelpful thinking. There are ways to shake off this sense of stuckness and reignite the spark of awe and holiness. And one of the ways I particularly like is this, to see with new eyes. So this is the second exercise I'm suggesting. See things in your life with fresh eyes. For example, look at your neighborhood or your home with the eyes of a visitor. The staff and I were recently walking through the center. We were looking at the center as if we were visitors, seeing it for the first time. And oh my gosh, that's when we realized so much clutter had started to accumulate and spider webs where we hadn't thought to, to look. And so we rolled up our sleeves and we started tidying up. And then Juanita Ortegan, who serves coffee to us every Sunday with the hospitality team, she came in and she cleaned that snack bar from top to bottom so that it is spotless, fresh, and clean. So thank her when you get your coffee today. And all of this started, I believe, because we looked 
with new eyes. In other words, we changed the filter and we shifted our attention. And in so doing, we gave the creative power of the universe a new direction to freshly flow through. You can also try to see your world afresh through the innocent wonder of a child. That's a fun exercise. Or you can even glimpse at your partner or your spouse through a different set of eyes. For example, through the eyes of the divine. Now, you're going to need your imagination for this part of the exercise because then you can ask yourself, if the divine looked at my beloved one, what would it see? Now, keep in mind first, that the divine doesn't judge, compare, condemn, control, complain. So what's left? <laughs> so you have to use your imagination to ask, what does the divine see in my beloved when all of that comparison and condemnation and control is dropped? What is there to see? Oh, this is a very exciting exercise when I think that idea through that the creative power of the universe works through the focus of my awareness. Because when I practice seeing in the way I imagine the divine sees, what I'm actually doing is focusing or refocusing my attention in a beautiful, fresh way. And then my awareness becomes the focus lens. And I'll tell you, when I started to play like that, how does the divine see, or what would love have me understand, or how would loving kindness want me to show up, when I started to play like that, things in my life started to open up beautifully. So much relief. I read in Greg Lavoie's book, um, vital signs. I read about a moving scene in a movie named Wings of Desire. Now, I haven't seen the movie. I just read what he wrote about it. And he writes that in the scene in the movie, a middle-aged angel comes upon a man who has just had a terrible motorcycle accident and is dying. And to comfort the dying man, the angel sits down next to him and recites in the man's ear all the particular things the man has loved in his life. And as I read through it, I was so moved by the image of it and thought, how wonderful it would be for you and me to be angels to ourselves. And so I want to end with an invitation for you to do just that. Be an angel to yourself and take time this week to recite to yourself all the things that you love and have loved in life. You know, whether that's the smell of your morning coffee or the laughter of a loved one or the way the sunlight dances on your window. And then notice how the creative power of the universe responds and flows through that filter and awareness direction. And then, when you're done with that, pick someone in your life to secretly be an angel to them. Be stealthy about it. Don't tell them what you're doing. Just silently recite to yourself all the particular things they love and have loved in their life.
And I suspect, in fact, I am confident that doing this exercise will refocus the lens of your mind in such a way that the creative power of the universe will find its way to elevate the vibration of love in your life, I'm sure. So I want to summarize the three exercises I've invited you to participate in today. Number one, choose a focus, pick something something close to your heart, a quality, a value, an idea, and immerse yourself in it. Fall willfully in love with that, with that something. That's number one. Number two, see with new eyes. Particularly, try to see, imagine seeing how the divine might see. Number three, Recite the things you love and have loved in life and then do the same thing for somebody else in your life. Not to communicate that to them, but to generate the opening of the love vibration in your own heart. <laughs>